I got work today's daf is daf ayin test page seventy nine. Here we go. Mesachas Baba Kama. We're up to the Mishnah, approximately ten to eleven lines from the top of the daf. All right, here we go. Brand new Mishnah. Ganav b'shus habaylam. If somebody steals an animal, but it's still inside the owner's domain. All right. So, you how did he steal it if it's still in the owner's domain? He did a Kenyan Hagba, he lifted it up or he pulled it uh, towards him. And then, he shachs or sells it outside of the owner's domain. Okay? So, the, um, the you know, when you, you take it out of the owner's domain, usually that's when you did the theft. Over here, you did the theft prior by doing a separate Kenyan. Now, we'll see how this plays out and why this makes an Afkamina in Halacha. Or the opposite, you stole it outside of the owner's domain and you shechted it or sold it inside the owner's domain. Okay. So, um, says the Mishnah, I'm sorry, Vaiter, or he, stole, he sold it, stole it, shechted or sold, sold it all outside the owner's domain. Now we're going to wait to see <coughs> Excuse me. Why the domain makes a difference? In all these cases, you're going to pay arbav chamisha. You're going to pay four or five times the amount. Okay? Why? Because it doesn't make a difference which domain it was. First, you stole it, and then after you stole the animal, you went and you shechted it or you sold him. That obligates dalid Now, here's why we're mentioning all this. These have all been pretty much. Standard cases. What's the novel idea here? So says the Mishnah, But if he steals it and does everything inside the owner's domain, he finds the animal in the owner's domain, and he shechts it or sells it without ever really making a kinyan on it, an acquisition on it, you're going to be putter on Dalit Vehe, because you never did an act of stealing prior to the shechting or the slaughtering. Okay? You need to do an act of theft prior to the selling, Prior to the slaughtering. If you didn't do an act of theft prior, there's no obligation of Dalai What if the, the Ganav finds the animal and he started pulling it out and it died? Then Allah is Potter. He's Potter. Okay. Now, in this case, he never did an act of theft before it died. Higbiyai. If he picked it up, well, still in the owner's domain. Which so he did an act of theft even inside the owner's domain. Umes, and then the animal dies. Okay? So if you intended to steal, but you didn't actually sto- steal yet, and the animal dies, so you're potter. You never stole it. If you steal it and it dies, If let's say he gave the animal to a kayan as a uh, redemption, for his firstborn son. Ayla Balchaif. Or he gave it to uh, a Balchaif. Yeah, so basically I owe somebody a thousand dollars. I told the guy I owe the money to to um, to go take that animal as my payment. Or Lishai Machina, you give it to a Shai Machina, give it over to a bar where you tell them they're responsible. Then I say Sachar, you pay somebody renter by and he started pulling it and it dies while it's still in the owner's domain, Potter, because you didn't actually steal it yet. Nothing was actually uh, nothing was actually stolen. 
but if you made an acquisition, you took it out of the owner's domain, and it dies, then Chayav, the guy who told the Kayan to take it, or his creditor to take it, he's going to be responsible for the death of the animal. Okay, so these are different variations. Bottom line is, there's two main uh, two, two main halachas that the Mishnah wants us to be aware of, and they play out in various ways. What are the two halachas? A, you're only obligated on Dalav Hay if you did an act of theft first. Not if you're shechting it at the time that you're stealing it. So if I walk over to an animal in the owner's domain and I just shecht it, I didn't do an act of theft, you're not obligated him four or five times the amount. Now, did I steal it? Do I have to pay double? Probably. But that's not what we're dealing with. Here we want to deal with, you got to do Dalav Hay. You didn't do an act of theft first, there's no Dalav Hay. That's halacha number one. Halacha number two is that... Um, if you start stealing something, but you didn't actually make an acquisition on it, and the animal dies, if it's still in the owner's domain, you are going to be potter, because you didn't actually take it yet. Ask a question, searching for information. Did Acham say Meshicha is a responsibility, that it becomes yours, it becomes your responsibility when it comes to a watcher, or not? In other words, if I pull something towards me, that is considered an acquisition. However, when it comes to a shimer, um, so I'm going to be watching it for you. So you tell me, Tumblr, please watch my animal. And I start moving it from your property to my property to be able to watch over it. I'm not taking it to acquire it, but I did pull it. It's still in your domain, but I did a mashicha. Have I taken on the obligations of a shimer? Okay, interesting question. Again, you asked me to watch it. I'm like, yeah, sure. I start taking it, but I'm not actually owning it. If I was taking it to own it, it's an acquisition. Here I'm just taking it to my domain. It's still in your domain. What's my responsibility? Omar Rav Yemar. Rav Yemar says, Toshma and listen, If somebody gives an animal to a Kayan to redeem his firstborn, or to a creditor, if he starts pulling it and it dies while still in the owner's domain, Potter! We see it's potter as long as it's still in the owner's domain. My love, Shimer, aren't we dealing with the Shimer pulled it? And we say you're um, uh, the so uh, we say that you're the thief is going to be potter. And learn from over here. There is such a thing of Mashiach when it comes to a Shimer. Now listen to this case though. The case was a thief walks over to somebody and says, I'll, I'll, I want to hire you to watch. The animal, please go take the animal to your domain. So the one who's actually pulling the animal is not the one stealing it. He, he thinks he's just being a watcher here. But he's doing it on the instruction of the thief. So the Gemara wants to prove from here that when it comes to a Shimer, we see that um, that Meshicha uh, it, it, would work, right? If he would pull it, and you pull it out of the owner's domain, it would work. Referring to where the Ganav was taking it by doing Meshicha. And over there there's Meshicha, but not necessarily there's this a proof that Meshicha matters when it comes to a Shimer. Ah, we already mentioned that in the ratio about the thief pulling it. Why would we why would we go to the redundant school of redundancy? It's not a redundant school of redundancy because there's there's uh, two different uh, thieves. There's a thief who steals from the house of the owner and a thief who steals from the house of Bashimers, two different cases. That's not a good answer. Don't, don't push off for a question like that. 
Because you want to say, oh, there's a difference in the cases. One case, the guy stole it from the owner. One case, the guy's stealing it from a watcher. Come on. That's the same thing. What's the difference if I, if I steal something? Does it matter if I took it from the owner's domain or the watcher's domain? Don't, you're obligated anyway. You're still a thief. It's the same thing. You're still going to redundant school or redundancy. El Allah must be, it's the Shimer. We learn out there's such a thing of Mashiach when a Shimer pulls something, he does an acquisition of, of uh, watchmanship. And that's called, uh, th- th- there's something called Mashiach. Even though you're not making a full-fledged acquisition, but you're acquiring it enough to acquire it. In Manami, we learned similarly, Amar Abelazar, same way we said, if you do an acquisition of pulling, when it comes to purchasing something, I give you money and I pull it, to me I acquired it, so too, when a watchman pulls something to himself, he's now accepted upon himself, the ownership to the watchmanship. Similarly, it's the same way they they said there's a Kenyan Mashiach when it comes to buying. The same way real estate is acquired with money, with a document, or with chazaka, with a status. You live on a property, or you show ownership over a property. It's now yours. So to when it comes to renting something, where you're not coming to full fledged ownership, you're coming to take on the responsibilities of a renter. At what point are you starting to rent it? When you give, when you, um, w- with money, with a document, or a act of chazakas. What type of thing am I renting over here? Says the Gemara. If you're going to tell me top of Omid base, I'm renting a movable prop, uh, property. There's no documents. A movable property. We're talking about rental of a land. Okay. Period. End of that explanation. But the Gemara is walking away and saying that you should know there is an acquisition of Meshicha, of pulling, when it comes to a watchman. As soon as the watchman started, he's, he's, um, uh, as soon as he's pulled it to him, he's already started his responsibilities of, of uh, being a watcher. Okay. Here we go. Says the Gemara. Omar, Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Elazar says, Ra'u shehitmen bechay rashim v'tavachu machar mishan tashinur b'avichamisho. Okay. If you find a guy who's hiding out stealing animals and then he shechts or sells the animal, if there's witnesses about this, so we're going to consider him to be a ganav. And he's obligated to pay four or five times the amount. Now, what's this whole thing about a guy hiding in a forest? So here, we're not really coming to focus much on the um, circumstances of how he got it or how he sold it. Here we want to know that we've learned prior, a ganav, a thief who steals in a cowardly fashion, pays double kefel on theft and four or five times when they shecht or sell it. A gazlan, a robber, only pays the karen, only pays the principal amount. You don't pay double or the four or five times the amount. Okay? A ganav, a thief, does, is obligated in this whole 
all these Gemaras that we've been learning, a gazlan, a robber's not. The Gemara here says, Rabbi Lazar, if you have somebody who's hiding in a forest to rob people, that person is still called a ganav. You're not called a gazlan, you're a thief, you're not a robber, you're still going to pay dalbehe. That's what we're focusing on. What label, what category are we putting somebody who hides out in a forest to take animals away from others? So we say he's called a ganav. He's going to pay the double and the four or five times. Amai holay mashach, says the Gemara, but here's the problem. See, he never did an act of mashikha. Because he's getting animals that are already off the owner's property. He hit the animal with a stick and the animal followed him. He prodded the animal in a certain direction and that's enough to make him a, uh, you know, to make him a ganav and to, to create ownership. They said, but people see him. So as soon as people see him, he's a gazlan. He shouldn't pay four or five times the amount. No, since he's hiding in the forest, even though they see him when he goes and grabs it, then he goes back into hiding, so he's called a ganav. So what's a robber? He stole the spear from the mitzri, and he hit him with his own spear. He grabbed the, the spear away from the one who had it, and then he took the same spear, and he killed the guy with it. Rabbi Amar, Bali Shechem, like the people of Shechem, the people of Shechem ambushed against them on the mountains, and they would rob anybody who passed by on the road. So these aren't people that would steal out in the open and then run away. Here we're dealing with situations, when do you call the Gazlan? When you steal, and you're, you're out in full throttle. You're not going to hide anywhere. Then you're a Gazlan. Says the Gemara, you're even a Ganav, even a thief, if you publicly take it, but then you go run away and hide. So you're a Ganav. What's a Gazlan? You're, you're, you're open about this whole thing. You steal it, you kill the guy with it. You didn't run away. Why do we bring that one Pasuk of Benyo Benyo Yoda? Rabbi Avo and Rabbi Echenon said from the people of Shechem, why didn't Rabbi Avo learn out from the people of Shechem that Pasuk? Since it says they were ambushing, so that means that they're Ganovim. They're thieves. They're not, they're not robbers. Rabbi Echenon is going to say, The reason why they hid is so that people shouldn't run away. They weren't hiding because they were scared. They just had to ambush to make it an easier catch. And they didn't want people to see them and then end up uh, and end up running away. Okay. Just give me one moment over here. I'm sorry. Alright. Why we more machmir on a thief than a Ghana than a Gazlan? Why does a thief pay double and four or five times the amount, but a gazlan does not? It is. When you're a thief, and you're scared of people, but you're not scared of Hashem. You're worse than a robber who at least treats people the same as Hashem. It's fascinating. See, right here, we got a camera behind us. Yeah, this is video camera over here, right? Show sure we got video cameras. So the Bani Shalom is always watching. So, 
a ganav thinks to himself that eh, I'm more scared of people than I am God. A ganav at least doesn't put people above God. Makes it the same. He explains. He says, I'll give you an example. Kaviachal, so to speak, It's as if the eye of HaKadosh Baruch Hu can't see. And the God's ears doesn't hear. Nothing can be hidden from Hashem. And it says, Hashem doesn't see and Hashem doesn't understand. People, again, there's all God forbid. People will say Hashem has forsaken, He doesn't see what's happening. I gave you a parable that they tell over the name of Rabbi Gamliel, what's it similar to the Shnei Adam people in the city, they're making a party. One guy makes a party and he invites everybody in town besides for the prince. The other guy doesn't invite anybody. Yeah, he's not, nobody's coming to my party. Who's going to have a harsher punishment? Of course. The guy who excluded the, the, the prince. To exclude everybody, the prince isn't insulted. If you exclude the prince, the prince is insulted. And therefore, there's a greater penalty on a Ganav than a Gazlan. Because a Ganav says, I'm scared of people, I'm not scared of God. A Gazlan at least says, I ain't scared of nobody. So he doesn't have the same penalty. I want to tell you another Musser. Look how powerful is work. Let's pause for a minute. If somebody shechts and steals an animal, you need to pay back four or five times. What's four or five times? Is it four or five? Which one? So we said, for the sheep, four. For the ox, five. Says Rav Meir, you know why? Listen to this. An ox that no longer could work for its owner, Chamisha, you to pay back extra five times. Se a sheep sheep don't work. Arba, you're only going to pay four. Amr says, I'll tell you another message. Look how important it is for Kavra Bris. You have an ox that walks by itself. Chamisha. You steal an ox, nobody's picking up an ox. Since the ox walks by itself, you have to pay a lot more. It doesn't take much effort. But if you want to steal a sheep, you got to run away with it on your shoulders. And it takes more effort. And it's embarrassing to be running around town with the sheep on your shoulder. So, Arba, it's as if you already paid back once. You only pay back four. This is... A powerful, powerful Gemara teaching us how important it is and how HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God Himself, is concerned about the Kavad Abrius of a Ganav. Of a, this guy's a thief, you understand? But Hashem minimizes his payment because he's already received embarrassment. You might say he's obviously not embarrassed, otherwise he wouldn't have stole the sheep. That's what I would say. You embarrass yourself. You took a sheep. Why do I care? That's your own cheshman. That's your own calculation. 
see from over here, the Rabban Shalom takes into account Kavana Briyas. Takes into account even a person who's at the time that they're doing the wrong thing. Okay. Says the Mishnah, we're now going to shift onto other areas of Hilchus, animals, and uh, yeah, Hilchus animals, it's going to be a little bit different than just the uh, conversation that we've been having, the topic we've been discussing <coughs> of Dalit Vehei. Ein Megadal Mehema Daka You're not allowed to raise, have a farm of domesticated animals in Eretz Yisro. Okay. What does this mean? What does this mean? So the Mepharshim explained, <clears throat> you're allowed to own animals in Eretz Yisro, but we want um, that people should always be comfortable living in Eretz Yisro. And domesticated animals, even though they're not a danger, but they do tend to get into other people's orchards, other people's uh, fields, and that can cause that people, uh, you know, people are, are nervous about investing and moving and living in certain areas of land. You're allowed to raise them in Surya. These were additional lands surrounding Eretz Yisrael that David HaMelech conquered, that in some ways were like Eretz Yisrael, in other ways never took on the whole uh, Kedusha, the, the entire holiness of Eretz Yisrael. In the deserts of Eretz Yisrael. Okay? So, in the deserts of Eretz Yisrael, where people aren't going to be moving to, no fields are going to be ruined, you're allowed to have domesticated animal farms. You can't raise chickens in Yerushalayim. Chickens peck inside garbages and they could touch something impure and then they move on to the next thing. They could spread impurity around Yerushalayim. The chickens get into everything. And therefore, since Yerushalayim always had to be kept tahar, we can't afford to have chickens that are going to go from garbage to garbage and start spreading around. Uh, Tumma that people threw out Impure things people put in the garbage These chickens can now move it around There's a, there's a risk involved But like Kehanim Ba'aretz Yisrael Kehanim shouldn't raise chickens in Israel at all Because they always need to be careful About their things remaining pure You're not allowed to raise PIGs In any place in the world Okay We don't raise PIGs Mishnah here doesn't give a reason, the Gemara will. And a person also is not allowed to be Megadel Akerev, you're not allowed to raise a dog inside your house anywhere, anywhere in the world. You're not allowed to own a dog. Don't jump out of your skin yet. Unless it is tied up on a chain. Why? So a dog that's not tied up, people are afraid of. You're not allowed to own anything inside your possession that frightens others in society. If the dog is always chained up, it is not a problem. But if it's not chained, it is a problem. You're not allowed to spread out nets to catch a yaina, to catch a dove. 
unless it is Shleishim Ris away from the uh, settlement. What is this? It's about three to four miles or so away from uh, away from settlements. Okay, why? Why can't you spread out nets? Because it's very common for people to have doves, to have these birds. And if you spread out a net in your area, you might catch a private bird, a bird that's privately owned and that's stealing, right? However, if it's a certain uh, distance away from town, then you don't need to be concerned that these uh, these doves were local people's doves that you were uh, you were trapping. Tanu Rabban and the rabbis learned, and so should we. Raised small domesticated animals because they could get into ruin unless it's out in the desert away from uh, away from civilization. But you could raise them in forests in Eretz Yisrael. But Syria feel be yishuv in Syria. You could have uh, you you can raise goats and sheep anywhere you want. It's certainly in St. Louis, other areas of Chutzlar. There's no problem of having sheep and goats. Right. The whole reason again why we did this why they made this decree, is we don't want people to have an excuse to not move to Eretz Yisrael. Uh, you know, I can't go there. I heard there's goats and sheep that eat, peck into other people's things. You can raise them in the deserts of Yehuda. And in the wilderness that's near Akka, even though you shouldn't have small domesticated animals, Large domesticated animals are okay. Okay? Why? Because the bigger animals aren't going snooping around the people's backyards. What are they going to be there for? Why are you going to have a horse? A large animal. People need horses to ride on. Why are you going to have a donkey? To schlep. Why are you going to have an ox? To plow. These are basic things. It's like owning a car. Certain things that are part of society needs to function. So large animals that were there to work... There's no problem with. We're dealing with smaller animals. Smaller animals aren't they aren't needed for civilization to be for for uh, to be successful in that area. You want to have a small animal farm, so move out to the wilderness. All right. Now listen to this. Why? We're not going to make decrees that are hard for people to keep. Small animals, you can bring chostars. Larger animals, you need to have around. You need, to, you need them around. So, I, could they technically come and destroy? Yeah, but we need them. We need them and they're difficult to get. So there's no problem whatsoever. Smaller animals are much easier to get. And therefore, there's really minimal excuse to not have them. I'm sorry, to keep them within the yishuv, within the, uh, settled, uh, within the settled areas. Even though we said you're not allowed to raise behemadaka, small domesticated animals in Eretz Yisrael. However, 30 days prior to a yomtif, you're allowed to have them again. You're making a chasna. You got a sudas mitzvah coming up. You got to see them. You need fresh meat. Mutter. As long as you um, you don't hold on to it for more than thirty days, the socket that the chemina would have thought to say the nafal nafakli regel umichizav nad hashta akati lemolalei klasin yaimim. I would say 
that even if the Yom Tif is over, it's not 30 days yet that I had it, I could hold on to it. What it means is like this, up to 30 days before Yom Tif, you're allowed to keep the animals, and if they, that's not going to get in the way of people uh, settling in Eretz Yisrael for 30 days before Yom Tif. But you should know, once the Yom Tif is over, you got to get rid of these domesticated animals immediately. It's not like, I bought my animal 10 days before Yom Tif, and Yom Tif was 8 days, so I have 12 days left. No. You can have it for 30 days, up to 30 days prior to the Yom Tif. You either use it on Yom Tif, or I get in tug. Have a good day. you got to get rid of it. Top of tomorrow's daf. V'hatabach leikeach v'shaychet. A tabach, a butcher, is allowed to purchase. Obviously, it's his livelihood. So, People want, even in the Yishuv, people want to buy sheep meat, goat meat. So you could buy these animals, but you should shech them right away. Like Keach Vishaya, if he buys it, he's got to, he, he, he can't keep it more than 30 days. You know, the last one can't be there more than 30 days, which means by the time, it can, by the time, you, by the time it's meant for the animals to be shechted and meat to be available in the store, all the animals need to be shechted. You're not allowed to hold on to it afterwards. Okay, we're going to hold it here for today. Bezom, tomorrow we will pick up from the two dots on the second line with Shalu Tamida Bezom, 9.30 a.m. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Bye-bye.